Welcome to the latest episode of Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet with your esteemed hosts, Dr. Stacy Adler of the Mono County Office of Education and Mr. Christopher Platt of the Mono County Free Library. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Oxygen Star podcast, where we bring you your ABCs, adventures, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet. I'm your co-host, Stacy, And I'm your other co-host, Christopher. And with us, as always, is our best pal, Doug. Welcome, Producer Doug. Welcome, Hi. Doug. Hi, mateys. How are you doing? Doing all right, thanks. Surviving the heat? Yeah, I had to climb through a ceiling this morning. Oh, oh my goodness. Gosh. There's a story behind that, or there's an adventure behind that. And there's a lot of heat and dust behind that, but that's about it. Are you feeling okay? <laughs> Did you wear a mask? I can't say. Okay. <laughs> I, then I withdraw the question. <laughs> we will point out, we're, we're as we're recording this, we're on the tail end of a pretty serious heat wave, hopefully the last one of, this, of the year. Hopefully. And we're supposed to get some rain this weekend, so we'll see if that pans out. It would be nice. Cool everything off. But Christopher, you had an adventure last weekend, and I'm anxious to hear all about it because we haven't talked about it yet. <laughs> no, we haven't. We didn't prep each other we on this not. at all. It was like... No. So... So, yeah, at the beginning of the heat wave, uh, you know, every year the Tri-County Fair happens. It happens down in Bishop in Inyo County, and the Tri-Counties are Inyo, Mono, and Alpine Counties. And it's, you know, livestock. It's the carnival where the people come up and they throw up all those dangerous rides in 20 minutes and then kids ride them for four days and then they take them down in 20 minutes and drive to the next town. Um, And lots of really good food. And, and lots of not really good food. Well, so not, not really good, good for, for you food. food. And, um, you know, local exhibits of people like crafts yeah. and arts and kind of stuff, which is also really cool. My favorite part that came back this year is the Destruction Derby. And you're laughing. <laughs> and, it you know, people might not think it, but I love mm. the Destruction Derby. Derby, irrationally so. Doug is nodding his head. I, well, I think you, I think there are a lot of people with you on that. Well, you know, I remember the night. Okay, so nineteen seventy six. Yeah, Happy Days came out with a seminal two part episode with the Destruction Derby was the theme. Pinky Tuscadero was in a truck Destruction Derby and she got cinched in the Malachi clinch or whatever it was and, and injured. And Fonzie had to finish the Destruction Derby for her. Oh my gosh, what what eight year old did not wow. fall in love with the Destruction Derby right then and there? Wow, cars You're- bashing each other. I, you know, the Fonz and Pinky Tuscadero that like, I have not heard either one of those words for her terms or names for a very, very long time. Yeah. You're scratching wow. your head like you have a headache. That's like, <laughs> that's going back. But you know, that was kind of like the heyday of oh, Destruction sure. Derby because everyone had an old car out back and you would just go and you'd kind of do some basic stuff to it, take the glass out, whatever, take the lights off and all that kind of stuff. And then you'd bash you'd, it. You'd bash it. You'd enter it in your local Destruction Derby. And we actually did this as a family, as kids. My parents bought a car like in the 80s, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And we had this massive 70s Buick station wagon that was the size of the Titanic. And they entered it in the Destruction Derby when they were really? done with it, right? Wow. You know? so, so it was just kind of like a thing. And so this still happens at the fair. It's different today. The cars today are mostly plastic and aluminum. So, you know, right. they, they're not, they don't really lend themselves to it the same way they used to. So I think a lot of um, participants in these derbies go out and they source cars. They, they go mm. out and buy old cars and then they repaint them. And they do a whole theme. The, the Owens Valley Observatory, the big ears down near yeah. Big Pine had a car in wow. this year. They had an old Cadillac and they had put a big satellite dish on the top and they oh, drove cute. in the arena and everyone was cheering, you know, and everyone cheers the whole bit, right? And, right. And, and it's just like a community thing. You're all sitting out in these grandstands. You're baking in the sun. Right. At a hundred degree heat, you're drinking warm beer and eating whatever it is you're, you know, we did, yeah. I didn't eat stuff that would, you know, make you sick, make me sick. But, um, and you you see all your friends and neighbors, and in Bishop you you're, you're in the grandstands. You're, you're the view is great. You got mountains on both sides of you. The sun is beginning to go down. Right. It's just kind of like this, you know, this communal thing. Okay, so I have a question. Sure. Never having been, oh, who Stace. drives the cars? 
are they not? Is there like crash test dummies in them? How do they? <laughs> They're locals. Well, well, how do they like not get hurt? Well, you know, there's safety. You know, it's kind of like stock car racing. You got helmets and okay. reinforcement, and they take the. I mean, do they wrap out. them in bubble tape? And <laughs> you, you would know? Think, right? <laughs> well, it's interesting because in the first heat this time, there weren't as many cars as there used to be, but they did it a couple of heats. Heat? You know, heats okay. where the cars come in. There's a first group of cars, and what you're supposed to do, I guess, best practice is you're supposed to just reverse, and you reverse into each other until you've incapacitated, and the last one oh. moving around wins. Okay. Right? I guess it doesn't really happen that way so much anymore. But during the first heat. This time, their two cars did crash, and there was flame, and the Ooh. whole audience went, <gasps> yeah, yeah, and there was kind of concern. But of course, there's like a gazillion fire departments who are volunteering their time too. So, like you know, Big Pine Bishop, oh, others, I like, see. They, they all rush in. they rush in to make sure everyone's safe. Yeah. And then the tow trucks come in and tow off, you know, and and they regrade the dirt, and then the next heat comes in and starts, and it all happens very quickly. Yeah. But it's just kind of like this visceral, like, ooh, look at stuff banging at each other. <laughs> Um, and in between, they do some fun stuff. This year, there were like little, you know, like little kitty pedal cars. They've oh. got little preschoolers in, put them in helmets and put balloons on these little oh. pedal cars or That's like, cute. And took them out. And they got to do a little mini destruction derby, yeah. which was very, very cute. That you is know? cute. So, <laughs> look, it's just. To me, it's kind of like, oh, it's what the fair is about, right? Right. Because I grew up with it, and I, I kind of love that stuff. Next year, I'm going with you. So next year, you should come with. Yeah. Maybe we'll enter. A, we'll find a car and enter a library car or uh, an MCOE car. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And everyone can come bash it. And uh, now the attorney's listening right now, and he's having a heart attack. Saying, well, oh no, it's taxpayer dollars. You can't do that. <laughs> or we'll get someone to he's donate. He's having a heart attack, and we'll get the attorney to drive. There you go. <laughs> there but you go. But look, it's you know, it's just a unique adventure. It happens in small towns around yeah. the country every summer. It's the fair, yeah, right. Totally, and everyone goes, and it's a great way to see people. And uh, yeah, so oh, that sounds like listeners a, a nice adventure. Labor Day every year. Come up and come up and check it out. Come and check it out and go to the Derby and help raise money for like the high school and all that kind of stuff. You know, all the high schoolers, the football team, and the cheerleaders are going around selling booster tickets. Sure. You know, it's just yeah. it's community, right? Yeah. That's what it's all about. Absolutely is. Take a deep breath, listeners. We'll be right back. You're dialed in to Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs adventure. Books and conversations from 11,000 feet, originating from the slopes of Mammoth Mountain in Mono County, California. You can find us at SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us at OxygenStarvedPodcast.com. Just make sure you find us. Welcome back, listeners. We're at the book, the B portion of our ABC podcast, where Stace and I are going to chat about, this time, a book we read together. Yes. Well, not together, while, together, but, but we both read the same book. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which is nice to do from time mm-hmm. to time. Yeah. We we did that a lot in the earlier days of the podcast, and we kind of moved away from it, and it'd be. I thought this was a good book to bring it back. And it was. There it is, I should say. Well, why don't you tell it? You chose the book. Tell us okay. what the book is. So the book is called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. And why did you choose it? Well, I heard about it on mm-hmm. TikTok. <laughs> of course. Sorry. Um, and I thought it sounded really good. And I read another book by this author previously. And um, I just thought it sounded like a book that would lend itself to some conversation. So I suggested I that think, we read it. I think uh, you picked good. I think it is lending itself Thank to you. at least our conversation. I we, hope so. We should point out Gabrielle Zevin is a pretty well-known author of adult NYA books. She's yep. won an award. She's a screenwriter. She's had stuff adapted for film. Yep. So um, she knows what she's doing. Yeah. And she's fairly young too. I, I mean, know. all these young uh, authors. <laughs> I saw her the first time I saw her, uh, she was promoting this book on the Jimmy Fallon Tonight Show. I was like, holy cannoli, they're, she's going to have to be my daughter. <laughs> I know. Wouldn't it be fun to be on the Jimmy Fallon show? Of all the talk shows, his would, <laughs> I think, be the, Okay, I digress. Tell us a little bit about so the book. So, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow is 
it is a novel and it is based in the, you know, it kind of takes place over about 30 years Mm -hmm. time. And these uh, two rather lonely children find themselves in a hospital Mm -hmm. and they become friends and actually Sadie and Sam, Sam is in the hospital for an injury. Like he almost loses his foot Mm -hmm. um, from an accident. So he's recovering in the hospital. Sadie is in the hospital because her sister is, has cancer and is in the hospital for treatment. So every day, Sadie goes and she finds Sam at the suggestion of a nurse Mm -hmm. in the hospital playroom and Sam is playing a video game. So the, the kind of the setting of the story, if you will, is kind of all based around gaming and video games and, you know, all Donkey Kong and Mario brothers and, and all of that. Oregon trail, Oregon trail, um, Carmen San Diego, <laughs> you know, so, so Sam and Sadie bond as children, um, over this video game that they play. And we should point out without giving spoilers away, cause right. it's a new book. We're not yes. going to, but one key part earlier in the book is that Sam is playing video games by himself. He's not very communicative and Correct. Sadie is the first person that he actually really talks with, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. And and the nurse is kind of marvel over what she's able to bring out in him. Right. You know, like they can't believe that they're in there all day playing together and talking and they're talking about this game. game. They're not talking about anything personal. Right. Um, but then the book skips ahead a little bit. Sam and Sadie have lost touch and they reconnect in Union Station, Grand Central Station. No, it's actually, isn't it Boston? As, or is in, a, yeah, in, in the big train station yeah. in, in Boston. And they're college students now. And then the the book kind of takes off from there. So it it's really about their relationship. Yeah, and that how that relationship ebbs and flows over years. Because for certain periods of their lives, it's super intense, right? And then then there's kind of like breathing periods mm-hmm. of, of this relationship. Yeah, I kind of I kind of just offhandedly referred to it as kind of like a big chill kind of thing because it it revisits people much later, you know, over these decades. But I guess it really isn't quite big chill, but... I thought of it more as friends, like more friends-like because it... it, While Sam and Sadie are definitely the main... I think they're both protagonists Mm -hmm. in the story. The story does bring in these other characters that... That who then impact the relationship mm-hmm. of Sam and Sadie. So Marks come is Sam's roommate in college at MIT, mm-hmm. and Sadie's at Harvard, and they're at MIT. They're one of the other. Yeah. yeah exactly. So um, and he becomes another. He becomes part of their little triad, mm-hmm. but he's not. In you know he doesn't quite become that central character. And so, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, kind of subtext about what is it like when you have two friends and then a third enters the Mm -hmm. equation and how does that person get integrated into the lives of the other two people? Especially these two characters, Sam and Sadie, who the thing that unites them is video gaming, right? right? And they actually, what brings them back together when they're college students is create, they decide to create a video game. Yes. And just how intense that is and how they each approach it. But that is the link. And actually the author has said in this Jimmy Fallon interview, Mm -hmm. I think she's like, you know, it's like they're married or whatever, but they're not. They're just right. really good friends, but their child is this video game. Right. Right. And you, and when you look at it from that lens, you're like, oh my gosh, the story really makes sense. Right. 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 And I, I love the, the, the push and pull, mm-hmm. you know, that they feel and the way that the author describes the whole myriad of emotions that they each go through as they're 
creating this game. You know, like they, they both experience some jealousy of one another, which mm-hmm. they don't ever express. They both are going through this creative, intense creative process, but they do it in such different ways. Right. Like you were just saying, they approach it from totally different places. And, and then the game becomes a huge success. And now they have to deal with that. Right. On top of everything. And, you know, there's that whole struggle of over who's going to do what. Right. What does the other side of success look like? Exactly. Right. Yes. What I loved about this, so I'm just going to admit to all the listeners now, I'm not a gamer. I never have been. I didn't even play Oregon Trail. (laughs) I I am not either. I don't. (laughs) We have a box in Mm -hmm. my house. I don't even know what it's called what kind it is and my everybody else in my family plays all those games but i don't because i can't make my Damn, Your fingers, fingers do. do different things at the same time i think we're kind of the same yeah. there but and so you know if someone just handed me a book and said this is about creating a video game i would probably not have read the book right. this really is much more of a character driven novel and so you know i was joking with you before we started recording that one of the first reviews I read of this book when you suggested it was, it's like Moby Dick. You don't have to know anything about whaling, but everyone loves the book. And it is really kind of true here. I got a lot out of this book just from the characters and the relationships between Sam and Sadie and that ebb and flow over their lives as they manage the success or deal with it. And, And there is, if you are a gamer, there's so much you would pull out of this because I learned a lot about the creative side of world building right, and right. engine building and yep. all this stuff. And and you got it right when we're talking about their different approaches because Sam is more like, let's do this. You right. know, it can be this. And Sadie's like, no, it's got to be A, B, C, D. How do we take your vision and make it right. perfect? You know? Yeah, he's very non-linear right. and she's very linear. That's a and, great way to put it. Um, it's interesting how they tackle that. And, you know, Sadie, I think, grew a lot mm-hmm. over the course of, of this book. I mm-hmm. feel like she was maybe even more emotionally guarded or stunted mm-hmm. of a character. And she, I think she just has this amazing arc as a character throughout this story. Yeah. I, I think they both do. I think they both yeah. do. It's, it's, it's definitely, it's interesting to read their progression mm-hmm. as people, as, right. they, as they go from children to college students to basically people in their thirties right. right near the end of this book. What I loved about what I took out of the video game creation Mm-hmm. subtext of this novel is something that's in our work, right? We talk about STEM and STEAM, science, yes. tech, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff and how the importance of art has to be in there and where the how it's creativity as much as science that comes out with the excellent result. And oh, that absolutely. really comes through in this story. Well, and it's like, you know, when you were talking about what, um, you know, what it takes that goes into the the creation of a game of a mm-hmm. video game and so their friend marks mm-hmm. who comes in that's the character i was referring to comes in and tries he doesn't try to break them up at all but mm-hmm. tries to fit in with yeah. them yeah. and their their closeness and he becomes kind of like their caretaker right. in a way as as they're developing this first game and he makes them he brings them other books to read like right. he brings them the odyssey and the call of the wild and call it courage as because the that those the context of those novels will help them develop the characters of their game and right. i would have never ever thought about that kind of approach to creating a game and I really love that was the one thing gaming wise that I got out of this mm-hmm. is that there are these world creation games. It's mm-hmm. not all I thought all gaming was either like Madden football or like shoot 'em up, <laughs> you know, right. w- Grand Theft Auto or right. you know whatever. I thought that was kind of how all games were. But there are these world creation games, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. That's because the. What I loved, I was sharing with you, mm-hmm. when I was a teacher, my students all loved to play the Oregon Trail game, mm-hmm. which is mentioned in, in the book. Right. And, you know, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, I understood those games. I understood how to work those games and what the point was. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of that there are games that where you can create your own world, that's intriguing to me. Well, I I think so. And I, I, I often wonder if this is kind of generational. You know, you mm-hmm. just phrased it way how to work something to make a game go. That's kind of how I think, right? Yeah. It's like a video arcade. Right. Um, you know, whereas today gaming is really, it's storytelling, it's world building, yes. it's intensive. These two characters, Sam and Sadie, almost, you know, could lock themselves in a room for months on end without right. seeing the outside world because they are so focused on this. The same way that like a really intense author or actor or musician would do the same thing, right? Right, It's the same kind of intense approach. Like you have to do it. You can read, I mean, it's like reading a book. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean the, the idea of going into these other worlds and then manipulating characters and they, they frequently come back to this notion of you in a video game, you can die and die and die and die. And yet you live again each Mm -hmm. time and that definitely is a theme within the book and kind of relates to that idea of tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, which is from Shakespeare. Right, right, from Macbeth. So. Um, right, and how, you know, in a video game, you can get really good right. at living a certain point or yep. really good at dying, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those skills that you develop in that game translate to real life. Exactly. Right? With your real relationships with people. Right. And that's what I think the author really did a really good job bringing that out. Yeah. The troubles that this intense couple have. They're a couple. They're not lovers. It's not romantic. They're not married, but they are in every sense a couple. Absolutely. Yeah. And I also liked that, um, just a couple of more things that I'll say about it is that, you know, they did ebb and flow as the success Mm -hmm. came and and blah, 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 blah. But it seems like every time they reconnected, it was genuine. Yeah. Like there was really something there that pulled them together. And I, I felt it was also deeper. Mm -hmm. Like after they'd have a little break from each other, they'd come back and they would, their relationship just was stronger. Yeah. And, um, I don't, I enjoyed every, every minute of reading this book. I think a lot of people will enjoy it. And I think it'll make a really good book discussion. Yes. Oh, I think, yeah. If you are in a book club, this is a great, there's so many layers and points to cover. Um, We've just scratched the surface. We did. And again, if you're a video gamer, I think you'll get more out of this book than the two of us put together because there's a whole layer that we (laughs) we we kind of struggled with. Yeah. Um, But, you know, for those of us who aren't video gamers, you can almost substitute any other kind of industry almost into this and still get that character driven impact that the author was really trying to put forward. Absolutely. And it's fair. And I thought it was relatable. Yeah. You know, I I could relate, even though I'm older than these characters, Mm -hmm. I could still relate to them a lot. We've all been in friendships that have lasted for decades, right? Yep. So uh, this is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. It's a new book. came out just a few months ago, Mm -hmm. I think. We have it at the library or you can find it at your local bookstore. Tell us, listeners, if you've read it or if you want to read it, tell us what you think. We'll be right back. Oxygen, a colorless, odorless reactive gas, the chemical element of atomic number eight and the life-supporting component of the air. Starved, suffering a severe and damaging lack of basic material and cultural benefits. Oxygen Starved Podcast, a colorless, odorless culture-packed, nutritious podcasts considering books, describing Mono County adventure, and engaging in informative conversation with colorful Eastside Sierra locals. Download it now. Welcome back, listeners. We have arrived at the C conversation part of our show, and we're so happy today to have with us Matt Toomey, restaurateur, entrepreneur, all-around good guy, <laughs> wow, Matt. Coach, dad, 
Welcome, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me. So happy you're here. Appreciate he was, it. He wasn't trying to interrupt you. He's just going to let you keep going. Well, I could have. What else could you, you possibly say after that? <laughs> former baseball player. Uh, did, did a couple things, that's for sure. Yeah. Did a couple yeah. things. Well, welcome. Yeah, We're thank really you. happy you're taking time yeah. in your busy schedule to be with us today. I was excited to come down here and uh, say hello to everybody. And I got to, I had rest, I had lunch at your restaurant today, which was delicious. We do appreciate that. It's really good. You're so nice. Yeah. So tell us, Matt, how did you get to Mammoth Lakes in Mono County? I grew up down in uh, San Diego, down in Point Loma. And uh, as a kid, like I think everybody has kind of a, the same story, how they ended up here. Whether it was, Some are born and raised, but the ones that moved here, they always came here from somewhere right. else and mm-hmm. always have fond memories. So since I was a little kid, I, always, I grew up skiing here with my family and... Yep. <clears throat> And then in the summertime, uh, right before school started, we always went camping in Devil's Post Pile and oh, Red's, Red's Meadow. And I just, it, since I was a little kid, I just knew I wanted to live in the mountains. It was yeah. weird. It, it, it's like either in you or it's not. And um, <clears throat> as I started growing older, you start thinking, what do I want to do when I get older? And of course, I want to be a professional baseball player. And, um, you know, my my priorities changed when I got into high school. And I, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, I still played baseball and I was racing motocross, but school really wasn't, I wasn't really, I, I, I had an attention span of a, of a brick. <laughs> and uh, the teachers all liked me, but said, you know what, you're just, you, you know, they, I was very social and yeah. I was very, um, I, I mean, I could, I could engage engage people and I was very likable, but <clears throat> I was really frustrated because I was like, what, what, how's this going to apply to my life making money? Right. And I think other people ask that same question. And oh I, yeah. I like to get that message out to younger kids and saying, Hey, you know, I, I under the kids that are, have that same thought process. And, right. Um, I, I just knew I liked working and making money and I could never see the big picture of college and mm-hmm. like, wow, you go to college, you can learn this and that. So, um, as I, as I, you know, I graduated from high school or I think they gave me a diploma and said, here, if we give this to you, promise not to go, come back. Go away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I was never a big troublemaker, but I just, uh, yeah, I just, I like to have fun. And, but sure. as, as far as work went, I was very responsible. I, I, I always loved my jobs Yeah. and the thought of moving to Mammoth out of high school, it, it kind of started driving me to going, but, but I, I could never, I had, I, I didn't have any mentors in my life either yeah. that said, Hey, you're a really good baseball player. If you go to college, you could do this or that. Right. And so I just, I, I didn't know. Like when the last day of school, I was looking around going, hey, what, what are we doing? Where's mm-hmm. everyone going? And so I ended up, I spent about another year in San Diego. I was like 19 and I was, you know, I was very fit. I used to run and surf and, you know, still trained baseball and did all that and was riding dirt bikes. But, you know, luckily I grew up faster when I was younger going this, it, it hits you where you're like, okay, I need to get with the program. Right. right. Yeah. So I felt like if I moved to Mammoth, it was like, I I'm, I'm going and doing something Gonna else. Push yourself. So I ended up a buddy of mine over, you know, over what we were together one night, we just kind of looked at each other and said, Hey, this winter, let's go to Mammoth, you know? And you know, there's chicks up there and we can ski <laughs> same stuff. Everyone else says, but you know, and then another thing that really drove me, believe it or not. And my friends would tease me was listening to John fricking Denver. Like I'd have that tape in my car and you'd have to hide it because they're all oh what is this you're like rocky mountain high i had this side of me that was like i drive around in my car going i want to be a mountain man i want to live in mammoth so bad and so and that was the soundtrack john denver's rocky mountain high rocky mountain high well it also reminded me of my mother my mother you know cooking dinner she'd play john denver sometimes of course had to go through the barbara streisand and all that other guy but john denver and living in san diego you you live in a beach town everybody wants something a little different and everyone right. that comes up here is from yeah. LA. They love getting to the mountains and they remind us of why we live here because yep. it's so amazing. Absolutely. And we lose, sometimes we lose sight of that where, you know, oh, people are like, I'm over it. I want to move. Boy, you see it every day. I'm going back to LA. I got this killer job. And next thing you know, you see him at Vaughn's going, screw that. Right. I'm, I'm coming <laughs> yeah. back. And I, I just, I can, I can look at, there's, it's funny at the sound of a river when I was a little kid made me happy. Yeah. And oh. I live, I have a river in my yard where I live. I live in up in uh, a little bit north of Lee Vining. Uh-huh. And it's funny, I never get tired of it. And I always remind myself like, hey, do you remember what it was like living over here? This is still pretty cool. Yeah. And I can appreciate the smallest things. Um, just 
just out of just remembering how much I wanted to do this. And it's still, you know, or you can just drive and look at the mountains and go, I remember how excited I got looking at a mountain when I didn't live here. Yeah. And I can, I can trigger that feeling pretty fast. So, um, I don't know if that answers the question of why I moved here, but those are all the, I had all these reasons, you know, you come up with all these reasons why you want to live here. And those are the reasons why I stay living here is, you know, people go, Oh, you should go and open a restaurant here or there. And I go, it all changes, you know, yeah, up sure. here, up here, everyone knows me as, Hey, you're the guy from the gas station. Yeah, in I was just going to say, so I, for the first time I met you was when you were at the mobile mart Yeah, absolutely. And, and I used to tell, it was so fun to go there because you would get the best food hmm. and you tell her what's your favorite restaurant. Oh, you have to go to the mobile mart and Tioga <laughs> yeah, <right>. pass <laughs> and the gas station. Tioga, yeah. Tioga Toomey's. You know what? It was, uh, it was a blessing I on both sides. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I always tell people they go, I, I don't like w- w- people that, that would come in later and see it in full operation going, they would credit me as like being a genius. And I said, absolutely not. I said, you know, it was, you know, I, I said, you're driven by either inspiration or desperation. <laughs> when I started the mobile gas station, I was like, this better work or I don't know what I'm going to do. And fortunately for me, work is, I, I could go to work every day mm-hmm. with my eyes closed. I could do it. I, I, when I, when I started it, I worked 210 straight days at that place. I was there 16 years. Before I was married with kids, I worked 112 hours every week. Holy wow. And people would go, wow, well, then you get to go take six months off and rest. And we spent a lot of time in the Bahamas down yeah. at the, in the West Indies. And they would think like, you go, like you're a bear, like you're going to go sleep for six months. Mm-hmm. And you would just work every single day. And then you were just in this rhythm where you couldn't turn it off. Yeah. Right. And uh, But from, from that work ethic and creativity came up with, you know, just started uh, from being teased too, believe it or not. People would... I'd go to the old grumpies. You'd walk in at, you know, at night just to go be social and people would be all, Hey, how are the hot dogs? You know, are you serving? Yeah. yeah. They, they would yeah. make fun of me because yeah. I was a chef at uh, whiskey Creek before that. Okay. And so it was like, I, all of a sudden I'm cooking at a gas station. It was easy to make fun of that. I would have made fun of it too. And, uh, probably three, probably the, after three years, it really started to click. And we, we started doing, uh, you know, we went from just a small operation to a multi-million dollar yeah. operation. It was exciting to really put all your time and effort into something, see it grow like that. It was just, the food was just incredible. Are you self-taught? Yeah, actually, I, if you work in restaurants as long as I have, you'll work with other guys. Right. I worked with a chef in New York, and he taught me this, and then they mm-hmm. teach you. know, It's like anything else. It's yeah. In education, you, you'll you run into people that did things differently at a different high school, right. and, and it'll make sense to you. Yeah. And you, you can and then you just apply that to your own idea. And so whenever people go, wow, what a creative menu. I go, everything came from something else. I, mm-hmm. I traveled a lot when I was single, and I went to New Orleans. I'd go to Jamaica. I'd go to... A, a lot of Caribbean places and I'd have the worst food somewhere and it would inspire me with this idea yeah. and go, I'm going to make it, but it's going to be like this. And yeah. we have coconut marshmallow pancakes at Toomey's restaurant and people go, Oh my gosh. I go, I had the worst coconut pancake in Hawaii. And then I, a friend of mine in Vegas, we were talking about making pancakes. He's all, make them like this. And then you just add the coconut and the mascarpone. You just put a little twist on it, you know. And, wow, yeah. That's and, great. And I just think too many people are afraid of going for it. And that's what, you know, they think it's really hard. I'm all, no, everything's easy. Everything's easy. So what was that? Talk a little bit about like your mental journey to become that person. <clears throat> like just go for it. Or was that when you and your buddy moved up here for that first winter? No, were you like that? No. When I first moved up, here I couldn't believe I lived in Mammoth and I for for probably the first couple of years every day I woke up and I would just be so happy to live here <laughs> it was and then but what's funny you should ask that as a friend of mine uh some friends of mine that uh you know regardless of how much money people make I my my fear of being broke really drove me yeah. to just working hard and then uh, also my love for people I I truly love people and when they talk about you know how diverse you know, maybe the country is. And I go, man, you'd be surprised if you're just nice to people and you say, hi, yeah. how are you? Yeah, of yeah. Course. And if you look at people that go, I bet no one calls that guy, sir. And you say, good morning, sir, to someone that looks a little, let's say they look a little rough or gangster, you know, mm-hmm. or, yeah, boy, they will, they will act, act exactly how you treat them. Yeah. And I, I, I love knowing that and 
sometimes just people are like look over and go, oh, he's got the Raider jersey and the gold chains. He's probably in the gang, and you just go, hey brother, how are you? You know, and yeah. what do you? What, and you you engage people. It's 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 my favorite thing to do. Yeah, and I always feel like we're changing the world. Now I'm on a side getting on sidetrack, but uh, no, I my my drive uh, for it, it was it was my fear of not having money. And when I first moved to Mammoth before snowmaking, mm-hmm. it uh, Mountain opened in January, and I remember calling my mother in November asking to borrow money. And yeah. my mom, my mom, my roommate was kind of the spoiled rich kid, and he'd get a check in the mail every week, like three or four hundred bucks, which was a lot of money. And I'm sitting here going, I don't, have, I I have no more money, yeah. and my right. mom. My mom told me, she says, if I start sending you money, it's going to destroy you. Yeah. Sorry, can't help you. And I was pissed. But I also just said, okay. And I never asked for a dime again. And it really kind of put me on track yeah. for yeah. for just going, okay, it's it's on me now. Yeah. And I started washing dishes again at Whiskey Creek because no one was washing dishes. Mm-hmm. Everyone had to step down. The managers had to cook. Mm-hmm. The cooks had to go on unemployment, which I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't know how to sign up for unemployment. It was really foreign to me. Yeah. And I'd ra- I like to I, I like to work and then get paid for it. And I always knew that free money would make me lazy, you know, which I think it is a fact, not an opinion. If you get, you know, given money, well, right now I need help. We'll just go help go figure it out. Go, go. You can always find something to do. <laughs> and then if you get paid for it, believe it or not, if it's a hundred dollars, a million dollars, doesn't matter. You'll have a lot more respect for that money. Then if someone hands you a million dollars, you'll probably give half of it to your friends and family, then they'll hate you and you'll spend the rest on, on a car and, and then you'll be broken lazy because you won't know how to earn that money. Well, especially in a restaurant. In a restaurant. So, and in a restaurant, you don't throw anything away and you, you have to yeah. grind it every single day. And yeah. people that own restaurants that are never there usually close them down in yeah. you know six months to two years. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. We'll, we'll do, do a 30 second plug for Toomey's. <laughs> Toomey's <laughs> restaurant, you know, probably. <laughs> uh, probably best known for really, really friendly service, great food. Yep. Um, it's owner operated and uh, being a chef, my, you know, mm-hmm. since I was a little, I wouldn't say chef, I've, I've worked in restaurants. Yeah. What a true chef does, I, I, I've done that as well. But no, I, uh, I pride myself on keeping our restaurant very clean and organized. And, uh, you know, I do, I do every, everything in the kitchen and, you know, the, the guests get treated really well and everyone's family there. So, so this is Toomey's and Mammoth Lakes, right? Right, as opposed to the older gas station. No, the, yeah, the Mammoth. gas station. I haven't been there for. I've had yeah. Toomey's uh, for eleven years now, yeah. and people, um, you know, people find me. I called it Toomey's because I was like, I don't know if I want to call it, you know, but everyone <laughs> knew my name. But more people it's come true. in and they go, "Hey, we found you," and it still goes on yeah, every yeah. single day. Definitely, people, it's a good reputation. Yeah, and people all the time. Well. It still happens. I'll meet someone the other day and they'll go, this is Matt. He's the guy he used to cook at this gas station. <laughs> and if the people haven't heard about it, they look at you and go, oh, okay. You know, and, yeah. but which is fine. Yeah. Well, it's the food is so good. I've never had a bad meal there. It's, great it's food delicious. And it's very welcoming. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it has it has more to do with how much time you spend inside your kitchen because you could, if you leave it up, uh, you know, I've I have wonderful employees by the way. The employees at the restaurant are family, and they all uh, the biggest compliments I, I'll get is I, I had one girl this summer say this is the first job I've had where if uh, the manager, you know, being me, I guess, and she goes, <laughs> whenever you walk in, I'm I'm not scared, and I said Aww. that's horrible. That's horrible. Yeah, I, I go. The, my first question is, "How's your family? How are we doing today?" Yeah. You know, I will get around to, "Hey, quit, quit looking at your phone if customers are coming." Right. You know? But but you know, you just you, they're going to represent your product. And the only other person I've heard say that is uh, Richard Branson mm-hmm. of Virgin Airlines and the Bazillionaire. Right. Is your employees are the most important part of your business? Absolutely. So true. And I've worked places where you know the people that own it can they just treat you poorly and. Usually, help. it's not. Yeah, yeah, it's not very fun. It's not. So. You're mo- every leader should think that. I've always said you, the, yeah. the library's most important asset goes home at night, right? That's right. That's yeah. where you yeah. best. Well, and the other thing too is I tell the employees is I'm usually wrong. Like, don't ever listen to me. I don't really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and with customer service, being right is so completely overrated, and not only in, in a business but in life. Like, 
allowing other people to think differently is super important. And I think a lot of people, for whatever reason, people will be talking about, I don't care what it is. And they'll go and they'll, they'll, they'll want to argue or they'll want to say, what do you mean? And I was like, the, the example I used the other day is someone will say the steak is overcooked and it could be raw. Mm-hmm. You, right. could, you could take it, not even cook it. And they'll say, that's well done. You say, no problem. Do you want another one? Or would you like something else? You right. don't even, you don't say, well, what are you talking about? Look at it. And, and I just, that, that's my whole philosophy yep. on life is allow people, you know, they come up and say, you're, I, I had a lady one time at the gas station, she came up and she slammed this plate down, goes, you need to learn how to cook. And I said, I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> and I said, and she looked at me like, what the heck are you talking about? And I said, I just got out of prison. I go, it's my first day out of prison. And she goes, what? And I started laughing at her. I said, no, but I said, you really, you really helped me by saying that because I thought I knew how to cook. And you just reminded me, I need to learn how to cook. So I'm going to try to take a cooking class at the end of the season. And I want to thank you for helping me out. And she just laughed her pants off and said, then she apologizes. You don't need to say sorry, but I love it when, you know, usually, you know, sometimes the message is harsh, but maybe, maybe they're trying to help you out. That's a very positive way to look yeah. at. Yeah, at, and, and even when that. you're getting yelled at, yeah. you're going, you know what, I think I think that screaming and yelling, I think you really care about me. That's why you're so fired up. Yeah. And then they'll go, you know what, I'm being kind of a, you know, a they realize. unreasonable. Yeah. I, I, there's another yeah. word for it. but uh, And you just go, you know what, these people are trying to help me. And then you thank them, and then they go, you know, and, and, and it mellows everything out. Right, yeah. You know? And I enjoy, I enjoy putting putting water on the fire that way and I, I get to do it not a lot of at our restaurant most is mostly compliments mm-hmm. yeah. but when people get fired up I'll say believe it or not I've I've never made a mistake this is the very first one so this is new and then they laugh <laughs> <laughs> so I've never screwed up once so I don't know how to deal with this. You know, know, you can always say something funny if you're prepared. And I think that's such a, you know, when people come at us for various things, you know, we all, we we run organizations, you run a restaurant, Mm -hmm. you know, you have those complaints. Mm -hmm. And if you come back at them with a defensive posture, you're not going to win. You're not going to get out of it. But if you take the approach like you're taking, and you're describing, then it is a, it does become a win-win for everybody because not only are you learning something, well, gosh, maybe I screwed up this meal or whatever, mm-hmm. but they're learning something that, well, maybe I shouldn't yeah. behave like this. Yeah. You know, there are better ways to go yeah. at it. And sometimes I remind people how important they are. I go, you know what? You, you know what you're talking about. You seem really smart and, you know, and sometimes I can be a little... You know, I can manipulate situations because I want someone to do something for me. And yeah. I remember one lady was helping me with something and I said, I wish I was as smart as you. You're freaking smart. And God, she really wanted to help me after that. And that was kind of, <laughs> but but it was kind of, she was really smart. Yeah. And she was. It, it has to be authentic. It was authentic yeah. because she was doing something. I had no clue how to do it. And, you know, so many people accuse me of like, you know, wow, you know, all these things about business. I said, no, but I got a lot of friends that are super smart and we all help each other yeah. out. Yeah. And, the, and they'll want to help you if you're nice. But if you, you know, I have attorneys that say you're the only one that'll text me saying, I hope you're having a great day and I freaking love you. Not because you know how it is. Right. Every, oh yeah. Well, Stacy, every time someone calls you, they, they need something. That's and right. how about just, Hey Stacy, how's your day going? Yeah. I just called to say hi and have a nice day. Yeah. That would be great. Listeners, call me and say that. (laughs) Absolutely. We'll give out your phone number at the end of the episode. The, uh, what you're just reminding me of is like experiences I've had in New York where again, like you've got someone and I work in a library, right? Yeah. And you've got someone in your face and you're thinking in the back of your mind, this is a library, but really what they have is passion, right? Right. And thank God that someone is passionate about what I work in, right? right? Because if they're not passionate, then I don't have people coming in. Right. right? It's smart. That's a great way. There you go. I love it. So Matt, you know, I'm almost afraid to ask this question because you seem so attuned to your work. I don't know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) We'll make up a definition. Yeah. What do you do when you're not in the restaurant? What do you like about the Eastern Sierra? Is there, are you at home watching 
TV all day? Are you out I'm hiking? Oh, what are you gosh. doing? I, okay, I have, a, I have a really nice TV that I never turn on. I, <laughs> no, I, you know what? I, I love spending time with my kids. I, yeah. I, I, my kids are, my daughter's a senior. And believe me, it's not like we hold hands and skip and sing Rocky Mountain. <laughs> but uh, my daughter, I, I love just being around her and her friends. Uh, every year we take a one-week trip to uh, northern Michigan. I take my daughter, my son, and we, they bring two of their friends each. So we have six mm-hmm. kids. Okay. Wow. And with all the mile, mileage plus through the restaurant, I sure. just all they have to do is get on the plane. No money. It's all free. Mm-hmm. Nice. And and so it makes it really easy for the kids to go without yeah. going out because it could be expensive. You yeah. to buy everything. You know it. And we just have, we have like the best time. We laugh. There's not a lot of phone, not a lot of screen time, but there's a lot of, I always tell them, I say, if you want to go back in time, let's all leave our phones at, yeah. the, at the cabin. We're going to go to right. the beach right. and just eat like Fritos or little potato chips, some candy. And we got our, we got our, and, and not, we just don't want to have easy access to anything. Right. We just, here, we'll pick up this and we'll play baseball. Yeah. And we, we, we just use what we have. Right. We don't go, let's go to the store and buy a bunch of new crap. Like it's all whatever's at the cabin, right. we just grab it and use it, and you make it, and fun. we turn a game into yeah. it, or we yeah. just say we're going to see who can swim out the farthest in the lake and back. And, right, um, but that that's that's my favorite thing. There's I, awesome. So and and between owning a restaurant, that's about it. My son, um, he you know he plays on the Mammoth uh, High School baseball team, yeah. which I coach with uh, Lance Jorgensen, and great. Uh, I love. I also love coaching the baseball team because I love the kids. I love the camaraderie with all the guys. It's hilarious. Love throwing batting practice. Um, like, uh, you know, we have a water ski boat, so I love to go to Grant yeah. Lake in uh-huh. the summertime and just, we play music, we swim, we tease each other. Like we just call each other names. <laughs> I'm kind of like in charge and, you know, we just, we just have this funny camaraderie with all the kids and they all just love it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, that's making memories, right? It's yeah. making the stories of tomorrow or what it's, you're doing right. today. And man, and when you realize how valuable a day is, you just don't want to go by and, and really get don't get me wrong. Everybody can have a little bit of drama, but I absolutely can. The worst thing could be going on. And I always just, my head go, well, at least I own my own business. At least my kids are right. healthy. There's so many things right. to be grateful for. Not sure if other people forget, but I don't care about what other people right. think. It doesn't right. matter. All that matters is the meaning I give to my life and, and having two amazing kids and their mom as well as she's just a great mom. And yeah. it's, it's neat to, to, to have that. I'll never, there's nothing better. And I have friend. I have a lot of friends that played major league baseball and the ones that, the, the ones I have that I'm close with, they have a lot of money, but it's not that it's about just being together right. and just having fun. And yeah, the whole, it, it's neat to know that money and things is not what does it. Right. And some people think it is. I said, that's fine. Maybe you need to go through it on your own self. It doesn't matter. And I don't right. need to, I don't need someone to buy in to me saying that you don't, you know, cause someone says, no, I'm going to save my money and I'm going to buy a Corvette. And I'm like, maybe that's what you got to do. Yeah. But I think, I believe it. Like if I did that, you'd get the Corvette and in about a month, especially if you had a payment. You'd go, wait a minute. I, I, I <laughs> do something I, else with this. Yeah, yeah. And it's like going on the vacation sometimes before the vacation. It's exciting. Going home always sucks. But for me, it's just the time, the time with the kids yeah. and, and whether it's in the airport or, or yelling at each other on the beach. I, I, I don't know. And you just got to manage that all in your head and make it where there's not to have too many highs or lows. It's all just amazing. Well, and I think, I think the importance of, putting the phones away and, you know, doing away with the screen time so that everybody can be fully present in the moment and in the the vacation experience. I think that's so, so important. And the memories, like Christopher said, the memories that you're making for your kids, I mean, what I, what I hope is that that will encourage them that when they have their own kids, They'll take them on vacations where there's no God. Who knows what's oh, going to, right, you know, yeah. what technology is right. going to evolve to. But um, you know that they <coughs> recall that. Hey, you know what? We had so much fun without all of these things yeah. and without technology. And yeah. um, I know that's the the times that mean the most to me with my kids are when we're just in the car having a conversation. Or, you know, whatever we're doing where we're just talking and, you know, 
keeping it simple. I, I videotaped, sorry, I videotaped a couple times. It's funny. It's not about, they say it's not about where you're going. It's the journey. journey yeah. yes. But what's so funny is we were in the car and it was raining and we were going to just drive to this because all the towns in Northern Michigan are incredible. But we were all, we all have a, like, we'll have a song that we're going to sing and we'll talk about, <laughs> okay, this year's song is like one, uh, Don't Stop Believing by Journey was one that everyone knew. And just especially the first part. Sure. And it's so great when you've got six kids and I tell all of them, you either sing or you're not getting anything. No ice cream, (laughs) nothing. And they, uh, but they get into it. And oh, that's so great. It's fun. It's so fun. And, and you get the girls, they'll have some country song that only they know the words yeah. to. And they'll start singing it and everyone starts clapping. And we just, we, it's the most magical. Yeah. I, I don't know how to explain it other than if you're, if you're, and the phone, obviously you're not present. You know? Right. I like the phone for making phone calls and it, there's a purpose for it. But man, when you really connect with people, I'm like, if, if you think oh, there's yeah. something better, you're out of your mind. So, so I'm looking true. at two parents of, of teenagers and young adults here. Is that really what they bring out of it? Do you think? Cause we all grew up without this, right? So we kind of know the value of screenless time together automatically. Do they get, do they get that same yeah, I, I think what it is is they'll they'll remind you later. They'll come back and all of a sudden they'll get back to something and they'll just go, you know what? That was so fun. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. uh, like Maureen's friends, uh, Katie Bernard and Katie Knowles, they'll just go, they'll just look at you and go, thank you so much. I, I had the, f- that was the funnest thing yeah. I've ever done. You know, they'll just say something. Awesome. Yeah. And it's like, you, you know, you, you, you can't buy it. it yeah. And of course, uh, you know, people, oh, you, you know, why do you work all the time? I go, I love being in a position to where you can go, you know what, we're going to go do this mm-hmm. and we're going to have freaking fun. Yeah. And I, and I have the, the pre vacation. There's no fighting. There's no argue. We have yeah. seven days. And if there's any arguing, I will kill you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and everyone just gets it. I go and I remind them, I'm all, we got seven days yeah. and we're going to have so much freaking fun. It's going to blow your mind, you know? Yeah. And I kind of get Clark Griswold at Wally world <laughs> where when he goes up and the things close and he blows his mind, it reminds me of that. Cause we're going to have so much freaking fun. It's going to put it freaking, you know, and then it sets the tone. I love that you brought that yeah. up because <laughs> that you know where we can Vacation. all like yeah. relate to that yeah, movie. Totally. It was so funny. But um, yeah, I, I think they, I would agree with what, what, Matt said that, yeah. yeah, they, they do get it and you do hear about it, you know, later in that way, like, right. oh, remember when we made gingerbread houses yeah. for Christmas right. out yeah. of, you know, graham crackers yeah. and, right. you know, all those, the, those things that and, they and, remember. And what's funny is the instant gratification or whatever you want, the instant like approval it, you just got to remember, just let it go because yeah. it's coming later. And, and, and it's like, you know, it. you want them to go, wow, this was amazing. And just, you know, never look behind, always look forward, go, Hey, you know what, we're going to do this next. And you just know that you're building up something that later, like you think of the right. graduation, you know, maybe they're going to say it then, or, you know, they're right. going to look back and go, man, right. when I was younger, we used to have a lot of fun, you know? And, so we talked a little bit about music. And we were talking more in-depthly about music leading into this. And usually at this point in the conversation, we ask our guests about books. But today, Matt, I'm going to ask you about music. Yeah. Do you have a favorite song? Oh, God. Rocky Mountain High <laughs> by John. No, you know, you know what's fine? I mean, like anyone that says, oh, I like a little bit of everything, I... Uh, yeah, a favorite song would be tough. It would have to be by Bruce Springsteen. Okay. It would probably have to be Born in the USA just because when I hear that song, it reminds me of when I was young and it yeah. just... Um, yeah, it's it. it all all the all these feelings go through my body. Same as my Kansas City Royal. Uh, when people ask about, oh, you're a big Royals fan, it has more to do with just the logo and the and and when you look at the logo, it reminds all these little thoughts go through your head. Right. Just like if you smell, there's certain smells yeah. you smell. You know, it's the same thing. And um, but yeah, I'd have to say Bruce Springsteen was. I, I used to wear people out with Bruce Springsteen when I when I worked at <laughs> when I was at Whiskey Creek. Anyone that used to work. 
with me. They would go to me. Oh God, all he would do is play Bruce Springsteen and stay back there. And I always wanted to just be that hard, like working on the highway, that song. <laughs> I always wanted to be the hard working to be that guy, <laughs> to be that worker. And I just like the union workers and the, you know, yeah. I wanted to go live in the Midwest and be with like, I'm very patriotic. I love America. Yeah. I love, and it's, it's, it's always changing now and it's this and it's that, but just the America I know and what it stands for and what and it, the meaning I give to it. I, I, I love being patriotic. I love the 4th of July. I love the Midwest. Everybody loves America and, you know, right or wrong or whoever the leader is. It's like, I tell my kids, American could be whatever you want it to be instead of pointing fingers at like, there's always going to be negativity or you could look, go, man, that's the greatest country ever. And the other countries are great too. You know, when people come here and finding a way around, you know, bitching about stuff and just going, you know what, we're pretty blessed to to live in a pretty yeah. neat place. And then when you take America and you go, people have their highs and lows on California, but we get to live in Mammoth Lakes, California, yes. or just the Eastern Sierra Bish, from Bishop to, you know, anywhere. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's for sure. Have you ever seen Springsteen live? Yeah, actually one of my best friends was his bodyguard. Wow. Oh. And so we, uh, one time, Nils Lofgren is one of the guitarists in yeah. the East Street Band. So we've like been at his house, like playing ping pong with oh, him. Wow. And I remember, I remember playing ping pong with Nils and he kicked my butt and uh, I'm like, and every time uh, I, you know, we were with the, uh, some friends that play on the PGA tour as well. And so it was a whole bunch of us at the Phoenix open and we're at Nils Lofgren has a house there. And we're going back and forth and I'm like, all right, next game, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to win. Like you're, that's the last, that's the last time. And it would be like 21 to 18. I'd almost beat him. And he would just sit there and he goes, you know, and he would just start telling stories about playing on tour with Bruce and how like, Oh, this one time we were playing ping. He told me the story, how the, it was the born in the USA tour. They were in Pittsburgh and it's a big steel town. Yeah. yeah. And, and the star and the roadies forgot to get, it was Roy Britton, who is the keyboard Nils, is a guitarist and all of a sudden they're 300 feet i want to say they were pretty far away from the stage and they used to have a ping pong table and nils goes i'm sitting here and springsteen starts off the concert with born in the usa it was this big thing and he goes you hear he starts off one two three yeah. four and nils goes when he hears one he goes we dropped our paddles and we ran. <laughs> and he told the very first part was dun, 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 dun. and there was a part of the band missing <laughs> and he goes and we go running out on stage and Roy Brenton gets on the keyboards and you're just sitting there in this garage and going like, you're like my favorite band and we're just all hanging out and it was just so fun. And they were so excited for me to be at their house. They're like, and my buddy Joey Dio Vasalvi was, he was like, this is chef Matt Toomey. And we were, we were at this event and Tiger Woods was there Wow! and he, and he's like, and Joey's like, this is chef Matt to me. <laughs> and, and Tiger Woods is like, I knew Tiger Woods from California. I said, yeah, I live up by Yosemite. He goes, Oh, what kind of restaurant do you have? I go, well, it's a mobile gas station. <laughs> and then he looks at Joey and Joey goes, you got to go there sometime. And I looked at Tiger Woods. This is a side note, but I look at Tiger Ball. You got better things to do and talk to me. So I'll see you later. And we just walked away, but it was very funny. But, um, but uh, yeah, Nils Lofgren and his wife were very nice, and um, he invited me to go to a concert backstage. So all oh. of a sudden, Joey calls me and goes, hey, they're playing in Fort Lauderdale. I jumped on a plane, and we went and we had dinner with the band. Wow. And then, we, and then they played, and Clarence Clement, God rest his soul, was there. And they were just so nice, and they wanted to know about me. Like, so how are you friends with Joey? Because he, they, mm -hmm. he, they all knew him. And they were just very kind, so we had a very good... You know, I didn't sit there and tell them a million stories like I'm doing here on your podcast. <laughs> but, you know, we all had a very balanced conversation where we told stories yeah. amongst yeah. each other and it wasn't one guy right. blabbing his mouth like That's I'm doing so right cool. now. But yeah, That's so, neat. Yeah. So, yeah, so to answer the question, yeah, Bruce Springsteen, hands down, still my favorite. And when I, all it takes is uh, driving home at night and I'll, if I'm by myself especially. But the other song that really gets me going is My Father's House from Nebraska is a acoustical. It sounds like you yeah. know a little bit about it. And uh, it's just a eerie song to play in the dark driving home out by Mono Lake. And oh, it, I'll bet. Yeah. And it just, it fires me up. Like it, 
it, it, regardless of what the words are, it makes me feel a certain way. And nice. I just, I, I like the way it makes me feel. It, it makes me feel like a little kid. I think Springsteen evokes a lot of emotion in a lot of people. I yeah. think well, that's very, especially people of our age. Right? Well, yeah, our generation, we yeah. can say that a lot on this podcast, but you know, it's kind of like, where were you when Kennedy was killed? Right. It's, it's, when you when you even just say "Born in the USA" by Springsteen, we all know the smell, the sound, and, right. we were eating, you, who our friends were. In the you know. album cover, right? Album you know, cover. it's it's totally, in my restaurant, right? Yeah, yes. it's signed by Nils. It's I have it signed, and then I have the poster of "Born yeah. in the USA" because it, it again, you look at the poster, it, it brings me back to yeah. yeah, and not not a better time, just a different, different. time, a different yeah. time. Yeah, because sure. yeah. these days are pretty good too. Well, Matt, this has been a joy and a pleasure. Thank you so, <laughs> so much. Yeah, no worries. Really great to have you. We thank appreciate you. Yeah, it. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for joining us, Matt. And thank you, listeners, for joining us for another episode of the Oxygen Star Podcast. And just a quick reminder, you can find Toomey's Restaurant in Mammoth Lakes, California. We're doing a plug here, but it really is that good. Yes. And not just because Matt promised some seasoning to Stacy before we started recording. Right. Right? Okay. <laughs> That's right. Uh, no, it, it, it's really good. Uh, you can tell us about what you think about this episode or the books that we've talked about. Find us on Instagram, O2Starved, OxygenStarvedPodcast.com. You can email us from there. Let us know what you think. We love to hear your feedback. In the meantime, we'll be back in a couple more weeks with another great local guest and some more books to talk about and some adventures. See you soon. See you soon. Thanks for joining us here for Oxygen Star. Our outro music, Iron Bacon, is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. Incompetech.com, Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.